Oh, hi. Thanks for hitting play on the Melbourne Digest podcast. What an absolute legend you are. But enough of me saying lots of good things about you and time for more food chat. Now cue that jazzy intro music. Picture this. It's a sunny Saturday morning on Elwood Canal in Melbourne's Bayside. Birds are tweeting, locals are singing out the native Elwood calling sign. We see the Saturday morning migration as locals, resplendent in their dripping wetsuits and cycling gear, make a beeline along the canal and into an inconspicuous neighbourhood street. Some might call them ants. I won't push the metaphor that far, especially because it just doesn't work. Ants pick up their crumbs. These locals are leaving them. Specifically, Elwood sourdough crumbs as they stuff their gobs with some of the best local bakery goods around. Greg's one of the masterminds of Elwood sourdough. He's even converted his house on the canal into the bakery. I asked him what his favourite comfort food is. Okay, my ultimate comfort food is pesto. Now, I was in Miami in 1980, invited to a very posh man's home back in the 80s. And very well-to-do, uh, and he was a Sordoni, he was an Italian man, and I came into, the, into his home, and he was cooking this spaghetti with green paste. The, this guy's freaked out. He's, what is he doing? And he was the man cooking. It was like, this is so strange. Fought white tablecloth, sat down, glass of wine, and served up green spaghetti. And I ate it, and it was transformative. I thought, this is the food. And when I make it now... I always have at least two or three bowls of it. And it's the best. Greg makes the best pesto. That I'm so glad you had that experience because mm. you in turn introduced it to me, you know, years ago. Now let's just pause for a moment here. Who's that, you're wondering? This is Tracy, one of the other masterminds behind this delicious venture. She supplied the tea and shortbread on a local potter's plate painted with magpies for our chat. I also asked her about her favourite comfort food before I so rudely cut her off just now. When we first met on our first date together, we went to the dogs bar in St Kilda and Greg ordered white bait and I thought, whoa, this could be a very short relationship uh, relationship, (laughs) or it could last for a long time and it's endured for a long time. So, uh, no, Greg's always challenged me with my tastes. My um, favourite comfort food is uh, toast, Elwood sourdough toast preferably and honey and a cup of camo tea, chamomile tea. All right, as you're about to hear, past me is getting antsy. She wants to crack on. She wants to get to wit. So here we go. Let's hear about the wonderful world of Elwood sourdough. All right, let's get stuck into it. Elwood sourdough, how did this start? Because you have just given me the tour of the bakery, which was once your house and front room and the cold room is now what's was a, a bedroom. bedroom. A kid's bedroom. That's right. When he comes back, he's 33 now. He's, he's slightly displaced, our son, one of our boys. It's he like, walks in the, the cool room and goes, hmm, yes, where's no my room, posters? No room for me here, obviously, anymore. There's a ton of flour in there and, you know, boxes of currants and cher- sour cherries for the spotties and, you know, honey for the hiking loaf. And it's yeah, not recognisable, is it? No. Our house is being sucked into the vortex of this bakery and you said it would all stop and it hasn't it's got bigger and bigger which is i'm grateful for every day we're, we're very lucky but um bridget was been a fascinating journey 
Um, we, were do, we do a bit of sailing and we wanted to sort of be more self-sufficient with our sailing and making sourdough bread on the boat would be a good thing to do. So Tracy had a bit of a crack, then I sort of jumped in and I could do this. But I was just shocking. And I spent a year with a mate working on one loaf of bread. And the first three months I was baking bricks and Tracy would eat the brick and say, oh, that's really lovely, honey. I think, oh my God, you've broken your tooth. So anyhow, so one year later, my friend James and I, we did we'd, we'd research, we did courses and we just was like, oh, fanatic. And, but in the back of my mind, Bridget, I had, because I was in media, I'd become an executive producer, producer person. I wasn't working in the field anymore at all. I thought, I'm not using my hands at all. And when I made films originally, I was loading cameras and I was lacing up edit suites and lacing up projectors. So I thought, ah, I wouldn't mind getting in touch with my hands. So it combined with that fact that I was making this bread and with this James and I, and we finally got it right after one year. So most people make sourdough in three weeks, but I took a year. But we just really sweated at it. We got it right and started giving it to friends. It's like, oh, we can finally eat it. Wow, we can actually put it in the toaster. Yeah. Was that bad? Yes. We finally got it right. Chip a tooth off it. Yeah. Yeah. But you really worked at it. We did. You'd see Greg in the kitchen mixing up on the bench, you know, this mountain of dough. And I'm thinking, geez, he's making a mess. I hope he gets over this soon. And, you know, seven years later, it's still a big mess, still a big amount of dough. But, no, thank God you persevered, Greg, because... Yes, and we loved it. it, Yes. Yeah, it just... And we started giving the bread to, like, the local milk bar. And Mm. the the first... First place of retail place was uh, the local milk bar and Ming. She was Chinese. Oh yeah. So and she was a friend. Ming, you want to? Can you sell our bread? She said, Yeah. I said, Oh, it's sourdough. She said, What's that? <laughs> so, well, you know. Yeah. So she started selling two loaves a week or four loaves. Then I knew a colleague who, so I should buy a lot of wine from Black Arts and Sparrows up at Leaf. Um, Sean. Yeah. I took some loaves up to Sean. He said, Oh yeah, we'll give it a go. And uh, so he said, What? Do you, I said, What do you want? He said, Oh, let's try six. I was like. Six oh yeah. my god you so I spent back. the whole week preparing to do six loaves <laughs> yeah. and gave them six on a Saturday and I went back in the afternoon and said oh how did it go and they said just wait there <laughs> oh okay just wait there the girl went down there's a boss out the back and they came back and said we want six tomorrow I went Six tomorrow? Because yes. at this stage, Greg was making it in our little domestic oven. You know, oh just God. an ordinary old oven. And he came home and said, they want six loaves tomorrow. And it was like, Jesus Christ, six tomorrow. Oh, Greg, what are you going to do? Why did you tell him you could make six loaves tomorrow? <laughs> so it was mightily stressful. Mm. Yeah, I hope you had no plans that weekend. No, uh, that's you were. right. That's right. But we got through it. And, uh, and my accountant has called me the accidental baker. So we weren't really a planned baker. But we had, I had a passion for baking. And the family history shows that my great-grandfather came from Germany mm. uh, as a baker and he went to London and went to New Zealand. So there's baking in the blood. And uh, something is like using my hands again because I wasn't... He's a natural. I'm here to say, to testify you're a natural. <laughs> he's really matured. Greg's now 70, but when we got together, he, he was really glad to... We've, you know, a Brady Bunch, we came together when our kids were really little. Um, and... Uh, Greg wasn't encouraged to cook a lot in your first marriage, but of course, with us, you were sort of like discovering your mm. your the joy of, of food of cooking, and he's just thrived and flourished. But you've got a, you say you've got a sort of a it's it's a very intuitive approach he has, and uh, it's it's extremely generous mm. and not stingy, and once again, always Greg insists on quality ingredient. And he'd tick me off in the early days because I'd nick, nick down to Willie's to get a bag of spuds and tomatoes and he wouldn't eat them if I cooked them up. And now I get it, you know, it's because you make the effort and go somewhere like Leaf 
up mm. the road mm. where the wonderful Leon has gone to the market mm. every day of his life to handpick the groceries for all the good people of Elwood and mm-hmm. make the most of him and and there we go we've got that but so Greg's a natural and uh, the, the you've really worked at things like the tipsy loaf which is a beautiful raisin loaf it's just good old-fashioned raisin bread but chock-a-block with raisins mm. Mm. Australian raisins and then Leon said to Greg a couple of years back, Mother's Day was coming up, and he said, Greg, he rang Greg, I was there, and he said, can you make something special for Mother's Day? So, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, don't, don't, you know, we don't need to do anything more. I'm always trying to put the reins on. And Greg says, oh, no, I think we could do something now. What do women like, you know? What do mothers like? Champagne and flowers. So there you go. The next thing you know, Greg's concocting this, goddamn raisin loaf and the raisins are soaked in champagne and he's sticking flowers all over the top of it and it's like oh this is too hard it's yeah okay it looks good but ah no and i tell you we've been making it ever since and it's just beautiful Mm. and that's greg coming up with this Mm. it's simply simplistic simple but so effective Mm. when you see these flowers it's joyful that's really good quality raisin bread it's you, you toast it the next day and it's even better. I agree with you on the ingredients. I have to ration myself with the spotties. Yes. Because they are so good. But I come here, I'm like, one, no more. Because they're so good. You guys knock it out of the park. Unbelievably good. Well, the spotties is, is, was Tracy's baby because we want to do a fruit bun. Yeah. And again, we spend three or four months in development. Sounds crazy, but we do. Mm. And we probably spent three or four months developing this body. We did. Oh, and yes. we did the history of the... We started you know, with apples and we started with sourdough and everything went flat because mm. the sourdough was too heavy. We wanted to make a sweet thing, you know. And to be honest, I was over muffins. I'd had enough of muffins and the sort of muffin mix that go into most cafes and unless they're making their own I mean they can be terrific but I just thought surely it's time for a change and you know we were inspired by different beautiful shoe fly buns we'd seen around but we'd also been to New York a few years back before the bakery started and there was a franchise there called Amy's it was a butte bakery that made a terrific range of cakes and buns and whatnots but they made these um, cherry cream scones let me see if I can do it. Cherry cream. I'll have a coffee with that. The cherry cream scone. But um, and we would go back every day to get these cherry cream and these the sour cherry. It was it wasn't a glazed cherry. It was a sour cherry which I'd never had before. So we came back to Australia and I started trying to sort of duplicate these, replicate these cherry cream scones. Didn't get the accent and didn't get the scones, but um, retained the idea of the sour cherry, which of course is one of the most important ingredients in our spotties a lot of people in the early days said oh just put cranberries in it It was like no Mm -hmm. these cherry sour cherries are so good and we keep getting the american ones because we've tried our own here in australia and the americans are terrific and they do get the pips out really well um but we use australian currants raisins butter our own oranges no rind didn't, I was very clear, I didn't want to have rind, like hot cross buns usually have rind and it's mm-hmm. like, and cinnamon, yeah, we, don't and like we don't like mm-hmm. spices too mm-hmm. much, uh, so no spices, uh, raw sugar glaze but lots of butter and, uh, and, we, yeah, we, and lemon juice, so uh, hand, cut, we cut, hand cut over about 80 kilos of oranges a week now and they're all of course beautiful local oranges from 
Pond Hill and Wadura. So, you know, it's a bit of goodness in there. They are sweet, but it's natural. We hardly put mm. any, just a dash of white sugar in there. And it's not the sourdough because, as I said earlier, that sort of flattened them out. It is a bit of white flour in there to give them a bit of oomph. And yeah. Tracy, I've heard rumours that there's a spotty song. Oh, yes, yes. A spotty oh, song. spotties, oh, spotties. We love you, spotties. Muffins don't do a thing for me. Gotta have a spotty in my tummy. With orange and lemon, currants and raisins, sour cherries too, and butter unsalted. Oh, spotties, oh, spotties. Without you, we'd go dotties. For breakfast, lunch and tea time too. Spotties are so good for you. So I'm going to take a guess here and say that baking isn't your background necessarily. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well, I think that's a great thing about baking, how it's, a, it's an art form too. And it's through it, I've been able to express these various skills that I've picked up along the way. My dad um, was a, an artist, an art teacher, so I grew up with this sort of cottage industry. Mm-hmm. He, When I was born, he was hand-printing um, beautiful greeting cards. There's a collection of them in the Australian galleries in Canberra, I think. And uh, um, I went to art school yeah. and uh, then started performing uh, and fell into that for 20 odd years. So, um, but it's been lovely with the bakery to come back to the cottage industry sort of thing mm. and realise, oh, I actually feel confident in this. I'll make a sign for that, make a sign for mm. this, mm. do the labels. Mm. So it's mm. been a really beautiful thing to happen in our later years and I guess on your creations we touched on the tipsy loaf that that was a wonderful well, little creation that's become well, Greg really is the creative the one. creative he won't tell you that but he is <laughs> he's done a beautiful olive loaf too once again chock-a-block with mm. olives like mm. I think we've had olive loaves before and we've been able to count how many olives in it and Greg was determined that come hell or high water his olive loaf would be stacked with olives um, and you worked on it for a couple of months because, it, of course, it was harder to get it to rise, I think, because yeah. of the salt yeah. and the olives. Mm-hmm. But now he's got it just right. And the key thing you are doing, which I love, you bake it, but then he takes it out, covers it with olive oil the top, oh. and puts it back in the oven. Oh. And then, just for a few minutes, comes out with this beautiful crisp skin, and then he runs, um, sprinkles a bit of sea salt over it. So, yeah, beautiful. That's Ollie, the olive loaf. Yep. And is there anything that was a bit of a failure, Greg, that you really oh, tried yeah. for a long time and oh, has yeah, just... Yeah, 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 yeah. There's been a few failures. Your muffins, <laughs> the English muffins. Oh, English muffins, we tried those. Yeah. That didn't, that didn't work. We, we tried spelt. The flavour never sort of resonated with us. Yeah. Uh, what else have we tried? I, I tried, a, um, you know, uh, jalapenos and cheese, bread didn't work we i was working in chocolates for a bit the shortbreads have been good the lockies, lockies are good. they're sticking yep mm. but yeah we do spend a bit of time on the on the products and so we like we like doing the research the farmer's daughter which is a square white tin and it took one of the longest times because it's five months in the making and because with a white loaf you've got nowhere to hide you mm. put seeds in it or olives mm. or fruit you got mm. and even rye you can hide behind that but with a white loaf you've got nowhere to hide so it took us months Yep. And we had to get a special tin, and we did, it's called a half-married loaf. So there's two balls just touching in the baking. So, oh, my God. People think, oh, it's just a white tin. It's like, oh, it took us months <laughs> to make it. That's fun. And it's a bit of dancing around, isn't it, when you're baking it? You put the lid on it, and then you've yeah, got to take off. it off at the right time. Yeah. All the timing in mm. it is, is very, very crucial. A lot. Mm. 
Yeah. It's like a science, really. Well, it is a science. And, mm. you know, before we got the cool room, we were very, uh, you know, affected by weather. Mm. So mm. if it was too hot on a, on the day, the weather, mm. the bread would be flat, it would overprove. Mm. And we had to get up early to make it through the Yes. Oh, yeah. God. There were some nightmares to begin with, weren't there? Still are. <laughs> the occasional <laughs> nightmare. Uh, yeah. But overall, it's great fun. And, mm. you know, it's just beautiful to see those skills that Greg's developed. Mm in managing Channel 31, a TV station, uh, applying them here. It's a wonderful marriage of, of those talents, yeah. you know, to, to, to run a little business that hums along. Have you told our good friend Bridget when the oven arrived? Oh, the oven, walking oh. big three-deck oven, professional oven. Yeah. And I walked in, I had a 15-year-old neighbour helping me. Yeah. But we had a manual and a big oven. <laughs> With no knowledge of how to use it, had like, no oh, idea. Okay, so we open up the manual, and Marco whopping. and I are like, oh, there's that button, that stop, on oh, that start. Oh, how do we? It was so we just fumbled forward. We finally got it Greg's right. Greg's always been very brave. When he bought the big mixer, it looks yeah. like a giant jacuzzi. You know, the hardest bakers we had helping us at the time had worked at, you know, bakers delight. Big bakers delight. Yeah. They laughed at Greg and said, "You'll never need anything this big." And of course, you know, it's used every day, a yeah. couple of times a day. And, but you've always been brave, not been afraid to grow. And Tracy is right. They're not afraid to grow. But really, they didn't have much choice in the matter. It's only being fueled by more and more demand. People go nuts for this stuff sold out of a little market stall in a neighbourhood street. And that's just how Greg and Tracy want it. The reason we called it Elwood Sourdough, we really wanted to connect with the food for the local community made made in Elwood mm. and sold in Elwood and eaten by Elwood mm. people. So that's been the core of our success. It's the Elwood community got behind it. Yeah. And when we started the bakery stall, that was uh, COVID last year, and we could see people were really struggling, stuck at home. Mm. So we thought, well, let's open up a stall to help people get more mm. bread, mm. make it easier for mm. them, yeah. have a bit of a connection with us when they come in the door, in the, to the stall. And we open it one day a week. And then within probably about a month or two months, we've gone seven days a week. Yeah. So we stayed seven days right through it and again through COVID again. But the community really love it. So yeah, we, we feel but, very lucky to have the bakery store because it means we have this built-in sort of communication happening every day with our wonderful neighbours, locals, yeah. people who come and it's outside. So it's pretty safe, mm. you know, fresh mm. air. We've mm. got this incredible Elwood Canal and all the bird life which just seems to be multiplying daily and uh, it's such a wonderful place to be and work yeah yeah so. it's amazing on the weekends here you can almost see people just making beelines towards here and if you didn't yes. know what was going on you'd be yes. like what are people what are doing are <laughs> like where are all these people like heading um but yeah then you get here and it's like ah uh, yes. <laughs> it yes. all makes sense because you must know this neighborhood really well like the Elwood community yes. between the different shops and even beyond yes. Elwood of everyone you're supplying to yes. and the people coming to the stall so, yeah, you must really yeah, have good connections yes and growing stronger yeah. every day but it, the bakery stall has definitely helped us feel more connected and our main, our main store is Leaf which is a, the local mm. grocery store we've had a great connection they've been so supportive we support them they support us and such a great place to be, and mm. we're so we're so privileged to have that sort of engagement with them. Yes, I've mm. got a few other markets we do. We do give them farmers markets, but um, but we t- basically we know that Elwood's our home t- our home turf. We don't, yes. want to, we don't want to leave Elwood. Like the traditional bakers used to be just in their own borough or whatever it was, you know. And more and more bakeries are popping up, aren't they? Mm, so right. mm. you know, it's right to have mm. something local. Yeah, 
And I mean, what do you think from here? Because I, I kind of feel personally that the last 18 months where we've been very much confined to your neighbourhood, that people have really discovered yes. who their local people are and are yes. very supportive of them. It's like, yes. you've had a rough few, yes. you know, I'm going to say months, but years, really. Yeah. We're going to get behind you and help it. Definitely. I mean, what do you think is going to happen now that we're slowly returning to normal? Is mm. that neighbourhood concept going to stay? Are you going to keep doing your little market store here? Well, this, we are going to keep keep with our market stall, and when we were between the two last this COVID, mm. uh, this lockdown and the last lockdown, we kept open and we we're very steady. So people have become accustomed now to getting a walk, coming round, saying hello, buying their local bread, mm. Mm. and it's something like if we were the, if we were living with the kids and the family years ago, and there's a local baker a block away, I'd be loving. And kids come with their little credit cards, buy <laughs> their bread. Yes. So it's a great great place, and. Uh, but don't you reckon there've been some. It's awful to say, some people won't like this, but some blessings have come from the lockdown that we have become more focused on what's around us. More people are swimming in the bay just down at Elwood every morning. I guess once upon a time they would have gone to a gym, but now, well, this is what we've got. Let's use it. So we're kind of making more of what we've got. You see more families out now walking Mm -hmm. with their kids Mm -hmm. and doing, obviously, you know, a lot of home schooling's going on and it's driving parents nuts as well. And I don't know how so many people are coping with no, it but no. I can see people are also like seeing the positives and mm. making the most of it looking for other mm. ways to to, to get by and appreciating and the local environment you know we wouldn't have I think we were so focused on oh got to get away got to get away and now it's all about what have we got mm. here it's all you need really it's a good patch it's a great little patch. Yeah, yeah. great patch. <laughs> great patch. Yeah. I have a question as well because we are sitting just outside of the bakery on the canal and it's very beautiful. I want to know about, there's a very prominent mural and sculpture in the front of Elwood Sourdough, so I would love to hear the story behind it. So um, the, the mural is, uh, once again, we came back from New York mm-hmm. and that was really inspiring in so many ways and there were wonderful murals, of course, everywhere. So I sort of absorbed all of that and we had this front fence with nothing on it and I tried growing I tried growing a few different plants Espalier apples and you know they didn't work out for one reason or another so it was like oh, I'll do a picture and then I'll keep it simple and I'll just say something and uh, my mum had died and I was un- very sadly estranged from her when she died for silly reasons um, and always it will be a big regret for me so I guess the words I still love you kind of worked for me and I had a feeling they might resonate for other people and it's however you want to interpret them so that's why we wrote I still love you on the, the fence and um, and the sculpture is um, a, it's a it's just a crazy sculpture made out of hebel brick which sort of dictated the shape of it and of course at the moment it's sporting the demons colors because we're <laughs> proud demons <laughs> yeah so it's got the red and blue at the moment but it'll soon return to pink that's right and to finish off there's been a lot of sourdough baking happening in lockdown any top tips for uh, your home sourdough bakers definitely the things we run a few classes and mm-hmm. things we always have struggled with is their leavens so i highly recommend guys and gals using a quality flour like a rye if not a rye a wholemeal to grow your leaven growing your leaven with white flour is a pain in the bottom so use even if you want to make a white loaf just use a rye leaven to get your leaven growing strong and vibrant.
that's what we recommend rye. Yeah, because the white flower doesn't have enough food in it, does it, Not to enough. sustain mm. the leaven? No. So it won't really flourish as a leaven. That's but a you put rye most flowers with their leavens. Because that's what I think I did when I first started. Yeah. And I gave up, and then you said, oh, I'll have a go. But I was using white flower, probably. Yeah. But as you say, the rye flower feeds it. Feeds and, a leaven, yeah. And it grows. Mm. Magic, magic. Magic indeed. But you know who else is magic? Greg and Tracy. And Elwood Sourdough. And the canal. And Spotties, definitely Spotties. If you want to try some Elwood sourdough for yourself, you can visit the market store in Elwood or check out their website for a supplier or market close to you. Bye.